stick with the highs and lows very evenly and know that there's another thing around the corner that's on one of those two extremes and keep that going. From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Khan with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a long career as an employed professional. Today on episode 121 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with the principal and creative director of Resonant Pixel Company, Wayne Pelletier. Wayne took his 25 plus years of design experience and turned unemployment into running a successful design business in just two months. If you're struggling with pivoting your career, you'll want to listen to my conversation with Wayne. Stay with us to hear all the details. There's no doubt that it's really hard to make a major pivot and your highs and lows can get blown way out of proportion. That's why it's important to have someone who has your back and can get you back on track. That's one of the reasons we launched the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll find a range of tools and resources to support your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com slash community. That's smashingtheplateau.com slash community. Now let's welcome Wayne Pelletier. Wayne has helped some of the world's best brands with award-winning design and customer experiences. Unemployment found Wayne in October 2019, and by January 2020, his business was up and running. Wayne, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. First of all, congratulations that you went from unemployment to a business that was up and running in two months. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I moved pretty quickly. After kind of working through what it was I wanted to do, I just kind of switched gears and jumped. Tell me a little bit about your career, and we'll, we'll get into the, like, the switching gears thing. Because I know that's um, it's a real challenge. You know, I've done it. Lots of people have done it. And um, yeah, it's not a walk in the park. But let's, let's start with your career. Like, what happened before unemployment? Well, a few things. Uh, I was in the military, U.S. Army, for four years. I got involved in the agency game as a graphic designer, very early web designer, front-end development, graphic design, some agencies. I moved to Atlanta in 99. I took a job here and spent some time the next 20 years in agencies here in the Atlanta area and uh, just made a career out of becoming a marketing designer and creative leader. Was October 2019 the first time that you were unemployed? No, not the first time. Agency life does have some ebb and flow where, you know, a couple of key accounts, you know, shrink or are lost. And then there is a bit of a shuffling of staff. I've been on the wrong side of that, but rebounded very quickly by leaning into my network pretty hard. So go to Facebook and say, home office while I look for a new gig. And you get an instant message uh, an hour later from someone saying, hey, we really need some help. So building out the network, having been at a few companies, all that really helped. And it provided an opportunity to quickly bounce around. But it related, I was always freelancing on the side, like kind of always had a side hustle. Fairly passionate about that. I would say I have one now. But I would say that 
that sort of was the springboard, like the leverage. So I would do things non-competitive like logo design if I was at a direct marketing agency. They had no interest in doing logo design, completely non-competitive. So those kinds of things helped me grow my network, grow my expertise, and then springboard into creating other opportunities when an opportunity was needed. So what was different in October 2019 that you didn't just go get another job? Well, yeah, getting close to turning 50 and then feeling like I didn't want to drive across town. I had actually got a couple resumes together, maybe submitted one or two. I don't really recall. I was in a bit of an emotional state, but I was going through the motions, not in love with it, not vibing on writing out the resume at all, putting a portfolio together at all. And my heart wasn't in it. So it made me stop and think, okay, what's the right thing to do here? Do I leverage my freelance experience and say, I can grow a business off of this or hope I can grow a business off of this? And do I drive across town for an hour, sit at a desk, not control any of my time and priorities? I think the answer was pretty clear. It just took me a couple of weeks to, to reconcile it and probably have a conversation with the wife about it. A couple of weeks isn't bad. Not too bad. Yeah, for most people, it's way longer than that. What were some of the sort of um, key things that happened during those two weeks? Well, you know, unemployed, you have a lot of time on your hands. A lot more than I was used to. It was a corporate gig, so it was out of the house at five in the morning and home at 7 p.m. and wall-to-wall meetings. So when I sprung free, I was running up and down this uh, local park, this uh, Stone Mountain Park. It's huge. And listening to Seth Godin's startup school on repeat and thinking about like, what do I bring to the table? What can I offer? What do I enjoy doing the most? And how can I combine those things into a fairly concise offering? And do I actually have the guts to do it? Which was really what I was probably running through. Mm -hmm. And I find through exhaustion, I have like the most clarity. So anytime I'm really stressed about something, I'll go for a walk or a run or a hike or do a bunch of push-ups. And then like, next thing I know is like, oh, it seems so obvious what I should have been doing. So clearly you did have the guts to do it. Right. What happened over the next few weeks, you said your business was up and running in January. So it was like, I guess, about two months. Yeah, I moved pretty quickly, got a basic little web page together and emailed a few key people to say, hey, this is happening. Anything I can do for you, let me know. And then also was traveling for the holidays up in New England where my family is and just had time on my hands to write things out, like just type like a machine, like what are what do I care about? What am I good at? What do I want to offer? What does that look like? How would I want to charge for it? What am I comfortable? And by that, I mean like, do I want to be beholden to hourly billables? Do I want to create packages and products or service combinations? I knew I wanted to start out as a service company, uh, just but do I want that to be a fractional creative director and high level of strategy? Do I want to execute and do actual websites and logos and branding? So there's a lot of options in there and the fee structures are entirely different and the value proposition is entirely different. So I wanted to write that stuff out first so I knew what I was getting into and would be comfortable 
not find myself, oh crap, I sold a bunch of stuff I don't want to do. Yeah, very smart. So out of the gate, like how did you structure your business? What were you offering and and what did people buy? Out of the gate, I was offering a lot of strategy. So social media strategy, omni-channel, web, digital, online strategy, physical retail to online strategy. So a lot of local physical businesses, they're online. It's not their comfort zone. They actually don't go on the computer all day. So there's a lot of opportunity there to be extremely helpful for people that can sometimes feel like they're flying blind. And they're good mid-sized businesses. They just need some help getting the resources together. So whether it's brand documentation, guidelines, and governance around that, or if it's helping them kind of connect the dots between their brand, their digital marketing, uh, both search and social, and their websites. So being able to close a few of those gaps and provide relief, you know, if they have stress about any one of them and making them feel like they're connected and telling the same story and that they're part of the same transaction funnel, then I find that there's a lot of opportunity in that space and they, they stick around for a long time. They're such strong businesses. And is that what your business started out with? Yep, completely. It was like property management, kitchen remodeling uh, firms, you know, big ticket businesses that are hyper-localized and, you know, don't know all of the resources available to them. That's great. And how did things evolve since you've opened your doors? Definitely grown the overall, like the average size of the accounts, brought on some e-commerce brands that are either early in their life or extremely mature and looking to make a big change or refresh or they're beholden to a marketplace like say Amazon and they don't actually own the customer. So now they want to transition to, you know, direct to customer model. And what does that look like? What kind of brand will people spring for to make that transition? And what media types do you transition those customers to and how much print and packaging is involved? I think that those brands now have really come out and and I've had a, a really great communication with them and, and have several that I've been helping that help really drive that piece of business for them. Well, congratulations on getting it started, getting it going and building it. It's certainly been um, a year, year and a half of lots of pivots for a lot of people in the world, right? So there've been yeah. plenty of cases of people that have taken huge nosedives and, and also people that are in the right spot at the right time. One thing I'm curious to know about, like you were an employee for a long time and you've already alluded in several of the points you've made about there's a certain certain grind to that. And there's also, you're, you're essentially giving over your time to your employer. How has your life changed since you became an entrepreneur? Yeah, fairly dramatically, I would say. You know, 2020 also, I don't know how much is, it was an interesting year for reasons everyone is aware of. I don't need to go over, but, you know, we had a lot of big projects and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to scale fast enough. And then a lot of it kind of all budgets all broke down. So then the transition there was like, oh, and I say that because it's an example of, oh crap, I really own all of my priorities here. And there are a lot of opportunities. And at first, I kind of scrambled around with how to build out priorities across clients or across projects and matrix that. How do I price that? And 
working on the business and in the business. We've heard about it from a thousand really smart people. And it is something that I feel like I always get wrong just a little bit. I don't know if I can get that right, but it's a thing where there's ebbs and flows to new business, to challenges inside of a customer, fire drills and things that come up that can derail. So one of the things I've tried to do is follow a bit of like a four-fifths rule, two-thirds probably even better, would be to say, don't book yourself out. Don't schedule the projects to fill the week. You have to leave time for things to break. You have to leave time for opportunities to arise, for, for luck to happen. Because if it's not baked in, then you're just going to be working all night long. And it's that's when it really starts to get hard. You know, when you're working till midnight for four days straight, and you're like, okay, I'm not time managing well at all. Just stop everything. And all I do then is type up stuff where I'm hiring other people to do it. So one big takeaway is keep at least 20% of your time free mm-hmm. in terms of what you plan. Right. It won't necessarily be free. And I know if someone who bills by the hour or prices projects based on time and materials hears that and they probably freak out. Like, there's no way I'm leaving 20% of my time wide open. Different issue. Yeah. On the other hand, you know, I've talked to many consultants that that use time-based billing and they say, if I'm billing more than 50% of my time, then I'm doing really well in terms of revenue because I've got to spend time doing business development and administration. So, yeah. So, like, if you're figuring out what you need to charge on an hourly basis, you can't figure that out based on billing out 40 hours a week because you won't be able to run your business. No, you'll never be able to run your business. Yeah. And then if you have a business with team members, you're going to spend time managing your team members. The more team members you have, the more time you spend managing as opposed to churning out the work. Yeah. Each direct report is probably 20% of your time. That's kind of the factor I always use when I was in a leadership role at a company would be every direct report is going to take away 15, 20% of my time. Now, it varies based on their experience level and expertise and how outgoing maybe they are or forthcoming with certain information. So there's always different things you've got to work on as you build communication with each person. But yeah, there's a factor there. Wayne, how much did you miss having a job? Uh, About none. What I miss... (laughs) Uh, I'm a social animal. So what I miss, uh, sometimes working at home can be a bit lonely. So I've been involved pretty actively in a couple of Slack groups that are communities. Uh, one is an Atlanta based marketing group and the other one is uh, a national one. That's just people who provide services similar to what I do. So they've been very good for developing relationships, having someone to lean on or someplace to vent or someplace to learn something and ask hard questions because they're very safe places. So co-working space is something I've considered still kind of on the fence about that due to, you know, COVID and world affairs. But I would say that that's probably the hardest part. The social piece. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a huge shift in your social structure going from being inside an organization where you you have the formal structure and the informal structure, whether it's, um, you know, whether you're working remotely like a lot of people still are, or you're working in person. And um, 
when you become an entrepreneur, particularly if you're solo, there is no social structure. Yeah, there's pretty much none. Yeah, so it can be very lonely. What are the, some, of the, some of the things that surprised you going solo? Probably my comfort level with what the 90-day forecast looks like. Like, I think at first I was freaking out. Like, you know, you do project-based work. The 90-day windows does not look good. It's like, I don't think I'd ever show my wife. She would probably have a heart attack. But what I've learned is that by staying emotionally even, not riding the highs too high, not riding the lows, and having confidence in myself and faith that I've um, experienced, my deliverables are strong, businesses like interacting with me, then that allows me to build confidence that something is going to happen. I have proof now. I have 18 months of proof a show. Something is going to shake out of the woodwork, uh, whether it's referrals or partnership opportunity or something. It's just happened now. I know I've heard that stuff dries up and I'm halfway expecting it to very soon. That's why I'm thinking more about marketing. Thanks for freaking me out over that comment a minute ago about 50% of the time should be on marketing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. No, you're good. Yeah. What's your dream for your business now that you've, you know, you've been in it for almost two years, what would you love to see happen? A transition to product, moving away from services and taking the, the production of my services business and starting to resell a lot of the, the chaff, the throwaway, the things. One of the things that is common amongst creative businesses uh, that do a lot of graphic design, no matter what type of design we do, branding, web, search landing pages, uh, UI for apps. It's only a small portion of the things we produce and ship to customers actually ever sees the light of day. For every idea that goes to market, there are probably 10 that never go to market, that never get approved, right? You show a customer five comps on something, they pick one or they Frankenstein two of them together. And, you know, the others just sit there on your hard drive, taking up terabytes of space. My plan is to sell that and turn that into a story about expertise and productize and create opportunities to have content around that expertise. So fingers crossed, it's already started. We're going to make it happen so that I don't have to be on customer calls all day. So while I love my customers and I'm really good at managing accounts, managing accounts isn't how I see ideally the future uh, playing out. So hopefully I can move on to the product game and manage customers and work on funnels and optimize pricing and things of that nature for completely different income line. Yep. Yeah, no, sounds great. Um, yeah, I wish you lots of luck with that. If you were, you know, advising yourself, you know, back two years ago or any listeners that are in the midst of going solo, what words of wisdom do you have? I would lean on the... Uh, and I know it's easier said than done, but I mentioned a minute ago, don't ride the waves of emotion. Just, it's not, you can't take it home. Working at home, I took it downstairs and I got myself in a lot of trouble. What I need to do is, what you've got to do is, is stick with the highs and lows very evenly and know that there's another thing around the corner that's on one of those two extremes and keep that going even. And then, I think that answers the question. I would say, and know your pricing model because once you launch a pricing model, you stuck with it. Transitioning usually means having new customers and giving the new customers the new model because changing the pricing model is not going to go over well with a lot of accounting departments. That is so true. 
Wayne, if uh, this has been a great discussion about, about your journey and some great advice for anybody who's trying to do what you've done. And again, congratulations for doing it so successfully. If somebody wants to learn more, access any of the resources you have, whether it's you know your business or, or things that might be helpful to them as they go solo, where's the best place to go? Probably resonantpixel.co, the website. I got a new one coming out and hopefully it shares a lot more of the work, which I've held close to the vest up to this point. And then Twitter at Wayne Pelletier. But I think that I'm not active on there enough, probably. Okay. We certainly can put put the website on. Yeah. I get busy and I'm in my head all day and I think of 600 tweets and not one of them goes out. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, very common scenario. And it's like... Um, we're the last ones to take care of the things that we advise other people to do in their businesses. Right? The last ones to take care of those things for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah, cobbler's kids, right? I mean, it's been said a thousand times, but it's so true. Especially, you know, you get high on referral business and then you do no marketing like me or you don't do any website updates like me. And then the day's going to come when it's going to be needed and it won't be ready. And that's kind of my new panic I wake up at 2 a.m. with. Like, enjoy. Yep, I get that. (laughs) Wayne, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today on Going Solo and share your story and your insights. My guest today has been the principal and creative director of Resonant Pixel, Wayne Pelletier. Thank you again, Wayne, for joining us. Thanks for having me. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode, along with the links we mention on the show. There's no doubt that it's really hard to make a major pivot, and your highs and lows can get blown way out of proportion. That's why it's important to have someone who has your back and can get you back on track. That's one of the reasons why we launched the Smashing the Plateau community. Inside the Smashing the Plateau community, you'll find a range of tools and resources to help your business, access to experts, answers to your burning questions, and the camaraderie of supportive, creative, collaborative colleagues. Check out the Smashing the Plateau community so that you can build a successful consulting business on your own terms, doing what you love and getting paid what you're worth. Learn more at smashingtheplateau.com community. That's smashingtheplateau.com community. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.